The following is a recorded program of a live show. Please do not call in, but feel free to send messages on our WhatsApp line at 876-283-9533. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Hello dear listeners, welcome to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica with a program dedicated to answering your questions, concerns and also anything that you need to know about the religion of Islam. I am your host Imam Ibrahim Fawson. This program is brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica as said. And for the knowledge of the new listeners, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is one of the over 70 denominations in Islam. This community believes in the advent of the reformer of the age in the person of His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, may peace be unto him. Spread across over 200 countries, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is a peace-loving religious community which rejects any form of violence against God's creation. Our motto is love for all and hatred for none. In the course of the program, if you wish to send in your question, concern or comment, please do so via WhatsApp and the number to send is 876-283-9533. Again, 876 2839533 Today on the program I am delighted to have two distinguished gentlemen from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community who are going to join me discuss one of the most crucial um topics going on in the world today um you might be aware that within the past few weeks there has been a widespread of uh, condemnation against the United States of America about the killing of a black African-American in the custody of a police. Of course, this is not the first time such an incident has happened, that is, an African-American being killed by police. But what has generated the widespread of global condemnation is the manner in which um, this gentleman, George Floyd, was killed on the 25th of May in Minneapolis while in police custody. Hopefully, we pray that the actions being taken by the African-American communities and also the communities around the world are taken result into um, helping to um, curtail such and injustice in the United States of America. It will surprise no one that America has not truly come to terms with its past regarding the continuous mistreatment of African Americans. Many have argued that the injustices committed against African Americans are as a result of racism or white supremacy. This injustice is rooted in the history of America and has social, economic, and institutional and also political implications. Racism has caused and continues to cause untold suffering of African Americans in the United States of America. In his 
um, addressed to the um, European Parliament, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Masrur Ahmed, said on the 28th of February 2013, and I quote, we should not tolerate injustice towards others or for their rights to be usurped in the same way that we would not accept for our own rights to be taken. We should not be willing to accept it for others. Coupled with what the Holy Quran says in chapter number 49 verse 14, Allah the Almighty clearly states that, O mankind, we have created you from a male and a female, and we have made you into tribes and sub-tribes, so that you may recognize one another. Verily, the most honorable amongst you in the sight of Allah is the one who is most righteous among you. Surely, Allah is all-knowing, all-aware. So from the Holy Quran, the purpose of creating God creating you know diversity in terms of color in terms of race in terms of height and all that things that we see amongst ourselves is so that we are able to recognize one another as i stated somewhere if we're all created one with the same features facial features bodily features without any difference it will be very difficult for even a brother to identify his own brothers when they are in a public uh, gathering. So without much ado, I, as I said, I am joined by two esteemed gentlemen from the Ahmadiyya uh, Muslim community, Imam Tariq Azim, who is a regular uh, panel on this show. Imam Tariq Azim is the president and missionary in charge of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica and also joining me will be brother Gulam Ahmed who is also will be joining us to discuss this um, important topic that is racial equality in Islam. So gentlemen, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to the program. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace and blessings be upon you and all the listeners. Um, thank you for joining us um, today, as you do all the time. And I believe today we are going to have a very interesting episode, as we do. Unfortunately, this is not one of the times that we would say we are very glad to be, um, you know, discussing such a topic. Of course, we have all seen the situation around the world and the barbaric manner in which um, Mr. George Floyd was murdered in the public view by um, the very people who were supposed to protect him and all of us. And um, starting with Imam Tariq Azim, what can we learn from the Holy Quran regarding racial equality? Yes, absolutely. I mean, for Muslims, uh, Holy Quran is the source and guide uh, in all aspects of life. And this topic of racial equality is no different. And in this regard, the Holy Quran guides us like no other book. It establishes uh, equality. It establishes uh, harmony in the society uh, in a manner that we cannot uh, you know, see in any other book or any other teaching that exists in the world today. 
you have quoted some of the verses or one of the verses from the Holy Quran on this very topic, and I will be uh, re-mentioning that. But, uh, but before I do go to that verse, there is verse chapter in the chapter, in chapter 49, verse 12. Allah the Almighty has said, O ye who believe, let not one people deride another people who may be better than they, nor let women deride other women who may be better than they, and defame not your own people, nor call one another by nicknames. Bad indeed is evil reputation after the profession of belief, and those who repent not are the wrongdoers. In this verse, we find several different uh, teachings that talk about equality in our society. Let me first look at this, word, this part of the verse which says, let not one people deride another people who may be better than they, nor let women deride other women who may be better than they. So here what Allah the Almighty is telling us that don't insult, don't look down upon another people, about on another nation, race, or tribe, whatever it might be. Do not look down upon them. Do not insult them. Why? Because while you think that you are better than them, but in reality, it is possible that they may be better than you. You have no, you have no idea that who uh, is more righteous, who is more, uh, you know, uh, kinder, more sympathetic, more loving. You have no idea. So therefore, as a rule, Allah the Almighty tells us that do not insult other people because it is very likely or it is very possible that the other people might be better than you. So this is the first, uh, you know, uh, rule uh, mentioned here in this verse. And this takes away uh, racism. It takes away, um, so to speak, classism. What yeah. I mean by that is people who hold themselves uh, as, you know, superior, that belong superior to, to other people, even when they are in the same tribe. Exactly, same tribe or same nation or same race, for whatever reason they believe that they are superior to other people, this part of the verse completely rejects that notion. And if for whatever reason, sometimes we notice that even within a country, one group of people will think that I am superior to the other, even though they belong to the same uh, race or same nationality, but still these things happen. So even in Jamaica, we are living here, this verse is a is, is guide to us in this manner that it's not just racism uh, that we need to eradicate, but any type of uh, you know, distinction that there is, and that due to that distinction, we think that we are superior to other? Absolutely not. The Holy Quran tells us that what, whichever, whichever people you're deriding, you're insulting, it is possible that you don't even know, but they're better than you. So for this reason, do not insult any people, any community, or any race for that matter. And then the Holy Quran says, not just men, even women, both should be considerate of this. Generally, the, the, the method that the Holy Quran or God speaks to mankind is that God uses one gender and it is for both you know, male and female, the teachings. But in this case, to emphasize that there should absolutely be no racism in our society, God Almighty said men and women separately. So both in our own spheres, men and women need to be careful that we do not look down upon other people. Then the Holy Quran goes on to say, and defame not your own people. There is actually several uh, aspects to consider in this verse, in this portion of the verse. I'll mention two aspects here. Yeah. One is that when other people, other nations or, you know, look down upon you, 
Due to that, an inferiority complex comes into you and you start to doubt yourself. And this uh, has been a problem uh, due to racism as well, that the nations that have, or you know, the nations that have ruled other nations for a long time, now those nations, even after giving freedom to those other nations, still think of them as superior. And then these nations that were subservient to other countries or other nations, even till this day, after 50 years, after 100 years, after 200 years of freedom, still feel uh, you know, an inferiority complex in them yeah. that that other nation is still superior to them in some way, in one way or another. So the Holy Quran tells us that do not defame your own people. Do not belittle yourself. It, it, it applies both ways. So if you are the one being oppressed, do not uh, go on to hate yourself without any, for no reason. There is no reason to, to hate yourself or your own community. And it also says that if I or any person that stands up, that stands in solidarity with another nation, it doesn't mean that, it, for example, I'll give an example. Yeah. If a Caucasian person, if a white American in the case of USA, stands uh, in solidarity with the you know, Afro-Americans, the ones that are being oppressed, it doesn't mean that a person has to hate his own race. No. No, it doesn't. We have to consider that all are equal. Whatever the actions of other people are or whatnot, we don't have to think little of ourselves. We have to establish equality between all races. Inferiority complex or superiority complex, both of these things lead to racism and you know, uh, establishment of class system in a society. Then the verse goes on to say, do not call one another by nicknames. And now this is another very beautiful fundamental mentioned here by the Holy Quran, that do not use nicknames to insult other nations, other people, applies to individuals as well as nations. So we use such derogatory terms used uh, in our society towards other people. I mean, not just towards Afro-Americans, towards uh, people from the subcontinent and people from other uh, South America. And again, this is not just in one country or one nation. All these countries, all these nations, like all of the world basically, uses derogatory terms towards other people. And Islam forbids that. Islam says, don't refer to uh, them using those nicknames that are made, coined, for, uh, to insult them. Yeah. Use proper names, whatever you wish to, whatever they wish to be called by. So this is another very interesting and beautiful principle mentioned here uh, by Islam. So I mentioned three here that, uh, from this verse. Uh, number one, that do not insult or de deride another nation. And then do not belittle yourself. Don't think too little of yourself because everyone is equal. Sure. And then do not use nicknames. So that was the third rule mentioned in that verse. Then the verse that you mentioned earlier in the, in the beginning of the episode, uh, that is chapter 49, verse 14. Allah the Almighty says, O mankind, we have created you from male and a female and we have made you into tribes and sub-tribes that you may recognize one another. Verily, the most honorable among you in the sight of Allah is he who is the most righteous among you. Surely Allah is all-knowing and all-aware. So here, in this verse, we again see that Allah the Almighty says that you've been created into different tribes, sub-tribes. You've been created into different nations. And that does not mean that one is superior to the other at all. And Allah explains why 
he has done that. He has done that so that you may recognize one another. Sure. If everyone was created alike, same color, same nose, same height, same <laughs> rest of the facial features, yeah. how would you distinguish one person from the other? Even a mother, a mother cannot distinguish their, I mean, her own children. Exactly. So, I mean, this is the fundamental Islam is saying that these differences exist not so that you say that one is superior or better than the other or one is, God forbid, more prettier than the other. No. It is so that uh, we understand, we realize uh, the difference, uh, you know, to recognize one another. This is the basic fundamental. If I see a person from, uh, you know, uh, with a particular facial feature, I will know that this person is from China or within that area. If, there, if I see another person with different color, different facial features, I'll recognize that he is from India and, you know, similarly Africa or Europe or South America. But that does not mean that one is superior to the other. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has so emphasized, right. elaborated on this in so many places as we will look into, you know, look into it as we go along the episode. But I presented a couple of verses, but this theme of equality is persistent throughout the Holy Quran. Sure. That everyone has been created equal. And just because one looks different, it does not mean that he is superior or you know, inferior to another. This is the message given in the Holy Quran. And again, we will look into it further as we go along. Yeah, thank you very much. As I said, people around the world, everybody is, you know, bashing the U.S. for this, what is termed as systemic uh, racism. And if you look at the manner in which um, this gentleman, uh, what's his name again, the police officer Derek, um, is it Chauvin? the manner in which he committed this monstrous act, it, it shows that he had no fear in him that um, even if the gentleman died in his hand, he was going to be punished. Because, um, you see, how can you handcuff a person, I, I mean the hand being at the back, handcuff him and then pin him to the ground? And people were saying that the man is passing out for almost 8 minutes and 46 seconds. He, 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 was, he wasn't perturbed. And he, you know, committed such, you know, a grievous act in the full glare of people. Everybody is against what is, you know, going on in the United States. But sometimes we forget that we might also be guilty of the same act of, if not racism, classism, as you said. There is a, a barrister, um, I think her name is Sasha K. Fellow, and um, she stated and this is published in the Jamaican Observer, an article which was published in 2016 on um, May 1. She said, I had never experienced this thing called classism until I moved back to Jamaica. I had left at an age 16 to a foreign advanced country, but it was only when she came back that she witnessed that it was even worse than some of the places that she would be. And uh, something she says here, she said, I had no idea that in Jamaica, owning a car was a must. And it was a great status symbol that separates the haves from the have-nots. I was unaware that it helped some men to decide if certain women were good enough for them or not. And, you know, she goes on and on and on. So, as I said, we might also be guilty in one way or the other, classism exists almost across every part of the world. 
I mean, as a person from Africa, it is, it is also something that exists. Certain culture, certain tribes feel that they are superior to other people. You go to India, the situation is almost the same. You, I mean, people with a little bit dark skin who are originally Indians are also discriminated against and they are not given certain privileges that others, you know, have enjoy it 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 is a widespread thing that i believe we have to look at it and it graduates into hating other tribes and other race which also becomes a monstrous and also a deadly um situation to brother um gulam let me come to you can you share with us some of the things of the prophet Muhammad about racial equality Sunday Addis that I would like to share today um, on this topic. It was given by the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that was the final sermon that the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had delivered. And this sermon was delivered in a large gathering or a group of people. It was not one or two people that, that was there. So this message had reached a large gathering of people. And um, before I even read it, I just want to say something very, very small before I read this one. Um, listening to um, our brothers um, talking about the racial um, situation that we are facing with in the world and um, what we need to do to eradicate that, we, we had find that in the, in the religion of Islam, and all the Quran and the saying of the Holy Prophet Muhammad how wonderful it is that give us that guidance to drift away from that kind of mentality that we think that okay one race is better than the other and it's very amazing that you know we have found this in, in Islam because a lot of people think that okay you won't find this kind of um, treatment and this kind of saying in a religion because a lot of people um, contribute a lot of negative things to, to, to religion so I would like to read this um, extract from the, the Holy Prophet Muhammad The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah upon him, said, O people, listen to me in earnest. Worship God, perform your five daily prayers, fast during the month of Ramadan, and offer a zakat. Perform Hajj if you have the means. All mankind is from Adam and Eve, an Arab, has no superiority over a non-Arab, nor does a non-Arab have any superiority over an Arab. White has no superiority over black, nor does a black have any superiority over white. None have superiority over over another, except by piety and good action. Learn that every Muslim is a brother to every Muslim and that the Muslim constitute one brotherhood. Nothing shall be legitimate to a Muslim which belongs to a fellow Muslim unless it was given freely and willingly. Do not therefore do injustice to yourself. So when we look at this teaching that is coming from the Holy Prophet Muhammad I think that if all of us should take this into consideration, I think this, this problem that we are facing in this world today, especially in America, from this 
George Floyd situation, we wouldn't have come to this where it's at today, where the burning of buildings and um, the other atrocity that is taking place. If they had seen it, accept it, and then put it into practice and treat everyone equally, as uh, Islam had tell us, and um, then we would have that peace and, and, and harmony and unity that we are looking for. So until, until we um, you know, look at these, this, this saying and um, put it into practice ourselves, then we won't find that, that peace and that love that we are looking for. Yeah, we, 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 we also learned that um, one of the companions of the Prophet Muhammad um, was from Ethiopia and um, is somebody that could be described as a person with dark skin. Hazrat Bilal, may Allah please with him. What was the treatment of the Prophet Muhammad towards him? And um, of course, besides he was, um, an, I mean, a, a slave before he was set free, and not only him, um, there were other slaves also who were set free. But in his case, uh, in particular, what was the treatment towards him by the Prophet? You see, the, the beautiful thing about Islam is that we lead by example. And the Prophet Muhammad has done that so much. Because we have learned from history that Hazrat Bilal, he was a slave. And then he had embraced Islam. And the Holy Prophet Muhammad had accepted him as a part of, of, of them. He did not look down on him because he was somebody from a different um, you know, tribe or um, a different race. He did not look down on him in that way. He, he, in fact, he treated him as, as if he, he was his, his own um, child. So I will just read um, a few, maybe extract from the, the saying that the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu um, Remember, one day you will um, sorry, appear before God and answer for your deeds. So beware. Do not stray from the right the part of righteousness after I am gone. This is the order Prophet Muhammad Now, um, you know, the, early, the earlier um, narration you gave from the Prophet Sallallahu account, uh, you stated that uh, he had quoted in his last uh, sermon, which has become very popular in Islam, that the Prophet's last sermon, he stated that all mankind is from Adam and Eve, and an Arab has no superiority over a non-Arab, nor does a non-Arab have any superiority over an Arab. A white person is not superior to a black, nor does a black person also have any superiority over um, a white person. As I said, Hazard uh, Bilal, we know that uh, in Islam, he was given such a reputable uh, position in Islam that even the people who were so to say that they were advanced or they were held in high esteem even before islam saw him as somebody that they can learn from and they used to address him as our master bilal he had the honor of being the first person to call um the azan as we call in islam the the call to prayer that you know when it is time for prayers. Muslims don't, you know, beat the drum. We don't blow the horn. But then somebody shouts at the top of his voice, calling the name of Allah and, you know, certain other phrases. He was given that honor, despite the fact that he was um, a previous slave and also he was a person of 
African um, origin from Ethiopia. So this shows that the Prophet did not discriminate um, against any particular people or race. But one thing we should also know is that Arabs, of course, you see Arabs as, you know, one race. But then within the Arabs, there were different tribes. Can you share with us some of the, uh, you know, tribal um, relations and also racial relations that existed among the companions of the Prophet and how, you know, they live amicably without any discrimination? Assalamu alaikum again. Wa alaikum salam. The Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I will just read some extract from the Holy Prophet um, words. Um, the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam he established a bond of brotherhood between the citizens of Mecca. I'm sorry, Medina, and the immigrants from Mecca after migration. That is after the Muslims were driven away from Mecca and they uh, found refuge in Medina. You, you are saying that the Prophet established bond of brotherhood between the people of Medina and the people who had come, describing them as, as the immigrants who had come to live with them. Yes, correct. That's quite interesting. Yes. Although most of the companions were Arabs, yet, as you were saying earlier on, yet they belonged to different tribes which were in most cases at war with each other. As you, as you have made mention yeah. earlier on about yeah. the, the article that you have read about the sister that had returned back to Jamaica and then she had found in the society this kind of classism. You know, this is something, this, this, this looks something similar to what um, that was going on in, um, at, at that time, in, in, the, in the time of all the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. One tribe might think that, okay, yes, he's more superior than this tribe. So, um, you know, maybe they look down on, the, on that person, so they do not regard them as human beings as they are. And as, as the Prophet Muhammad sure, said sure. earlier, and, um, the, the, the only thing that distinguishes a person is his, is his, is his good deeds and his, and his piety. So that is, that is one of the things that, um, you know, uh, that used to establish um, at that time in the, the, the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad sure, sure. I'll just continue with the reading. However, when, however, when they accepted Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu established such a level of brotherhood between them that even at the brink of death, a companion would prefer saving his colleague to himself. That is to show you how, you know, um, beautiful the religion of Islam is. Had transformed, transformed them. You stated that the Arabs usually tribes and tribes were at war before Islam and even during Islam because not all of them had accepted Islam by then. But then you are saying that once they accepted Islam, the bond of brotherhood that was established among them was so, um, you know, huge and great to the extent that even at the point of death, and I think this reminds me of one um, tradition which goes that um, during the battles, you know, and the enemy side had um, attacked the Muslims and some Muslims had been uh, killed. But then there was this companion who was injured and at the brink of death. So he had shouted, I mean, requested for water and somebody went to get water for him. And when the water was, I mean, brought to him, he realized that another person 
who was also a Muslim and was also in need of the water, I mean, was also asking for water. So he said, okay, send the water to that my brother. When they reached to him, he also preferred that the water be given to another brother who was in a similar condition. When they went to that, the last person, he had died. And when the gentleman brought the water to the previous people, he came to find out that they had also died. So even at the point of death, as you are saying, they preferred saving the lives of their colleague, companions, fellow Muslims than, you know, um, saving their, their own selves. And that is something that I don't think can be found anywhere in the history of mankind. So when we look at this, we see the kind of transformation that the religion of Islam had brought to, to those people who were living like, like, like a barbaric um, towards each other, you know, because of um, this kind of, um, you know, social differences. So I will just continue the reading. Um, from. So um, among the Arabs or among the, the, the Muslims at that time, you have people from, you know, from, from, from different um, ethnic city. You have yeah. people from different groups, you have the people from different um, race, you have people from different countries also. And as I for instance, as Bilal, he was from Africa. But yeah. how was he treated? He was treated, he was not treated like he was he was an outsider. He was treated like, like he was a family, as as we learned from that. And also, um, you know, as that Salman Farsi um, from Persia also, and um also um Sohsail was from Rome also, and these people were from different, um, um, you know I mean, um, parts of the world, but they were, you know I mean, among the Muslims and, and, and they, were, uh, they were accepted and they were, they were welcome and they were not discriminated and they were not looked down upon. And that, that's, that, that is just to show you the beautiful, um, you know I mean, teaching of Islam that, that, that Lord Prophet Muhammad had, had, had brought um, to the world with, with the help of Allah the Almighty. And so, um, so I will just continue reading here. Yet they live peaceful, yet they live peaceful um, without any racial discrimination, as we were saying earlier on. Um, you know, people from different parts of the world or different yeah. countries, they were able to live together as, as like they were one body without any kind of discrimination, any kind of fighting, any kind of war. They will share with, with each other and that kind of love, you know, that they, that they share with each other. It was very, very amazing. And then we can see that today in today's world, you know, I mean, in Islam and Islam, when, when, you know, when you become, um, and it's not only us Muslims that we show that kind, we show that gratitude, we show that love, we show that love and gratitude to all of, you know, I mean, God's creature, because we know that, you know, um, we are, we are, we are, we are, as, as the Quran said, we are all from Adam and Eve. So we, we, we are one. So in no given time that anyone should think that, okay, because I have a little bit more money than this individual, that I am better than that person. And, and you know, that, that is not good, that is not right, that is a, that is a form of arrogance. And this is what the old Quran and the old Prophet Muhammad said. And um, if, if the world, and I say the world, should, should follow upon this teaching of the old Quran, I think that you know, the kind of peace, as I've said it many, many times, the peace that we are looking for in the world, inshallah, we'll definitely find it by following the teaching of the old Prophet Muhammad. Thank you very much, Brother Gulam, for uh, taking us through some of the uh, you know interesting experiences and also how the Prophet Muhammad and you know his companions uh, lived amicably, despite the fact that most of them or some of them were from different geographical locations, some of them were from different countries, some of them were of different you know skin tone, yet they lived in such a unique manner that in history, as I said this kind of examples cannot be found anywhere 
and this is what Islam um, you know teaches Imam Tariq so um, our brother has shared some interesting um, examples of um, you know harmony and peaceful coexistence among the companions of the Holy Prophet Muhammad despite the fact that we are from different geographical locations you know what is your take on on, on this Yes, absolutely. I mean, there is countless things. Our brother here has presented one of the most uh, powerful and one of the most popular sermons of the Prophet, Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And that talks about how, uh, you know, no one, because just because of their race or nation, uh, has a superiority over another person. But there is another uh, narration which I find very interesting and powerful. Uh, and, it, uh, and it really, you know, uh, drives home the point of racism or racial equality, it establishes equality in the society. It says, Allah, the Prophet said, Allah does not look upon your outward appearance. He looks upon your hearts and deeds. This is the important thing that Prophet peace be upon him has taught us. That it's not the outward appearance of a person that we should judge someone by. Yeah. We, we have no right to do that. We, I mean, because whatever has been created has been created by Allah the Almighty, by God Almighty. So therefore, uh, we believe we believe that whatever God has created is created is you know it's good. What matters is that what is inside the heart of that person, what kind of deeds someone is doing, and this goes back to the words that we discussed earlier in the in the beginning of our episode that um, you know the most righteous in the sight of Allah uh, or the most honorable in the sight of Allah is the one who is most righteous so this this narration uh, complements that and our brother also presented examples of uh, different companions from different nationalities living uh, with uh, you know living in Arabia around the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him he presented the example of uh, Hazrat Salman Farsi or Salman the Persian. Regarding him, the Prophet, peace be upon him, has said that Salmanu minna ahlil bayt, that he is from my family, he is a member of my family, he is a member of my house. Meanwhile, he was from Persia. Exactly. This is how he treated people from other parts of the world which might have otherwise felt lonely, you know, in, in, in uh, living among different nationality, different tribe, different race. But the Prophet, peace be upon, uh, peace be upon him, took these people from different nationalities that were otherwise looked down upon in the community. Uh, in the when I say the community, the non non-Muslim Arab community. But the Prophet, peace be upon him, taught Muslims that this is how they should be respected. This is how they should be treated. They should be treated as equals and should be uh, actually looked upon as uh, you know uh, with greater respect because of the fact that they're they're from a different tribe living amongst us different color different nationality living amongst us to make them feel at home and comfortable he showed extra love towards them and kindness towards them and the same applies to the example that our brother Ghulam has given here of uh, um, of brother uh, Sayyidna Bilal he was referred to as chief leader even though formerly he was a slave and he was uh, you know from uh, of African descent and generally, among Arabs, uh, non-Muslim Arabs, uh, people from Africa were often brought as slaves. And uh, other than that, just because of being a foreigner, you were sometimes looked down upon, uh, regardless of what your status was. So Prophet, peace be upon him, established equality for all nations, all you know, uh, races, 
and all classes and made them and taught us that we are all equal. I would like to conclude here by giving one more saying of the Holy Prophet. Yeah. May Allah's uh, blessing and peace be upon him. Uh, the Prophet has said that all people are as equal as the, te as the teeth of a comb. What this means is that everybody is equal, just like we see um, you know, in a comb, all the teeth of comb are equal. People of different nationalities, different races, different countries, whatever it might be, different tribes, they're all equals because they're all humans and equally created by Allah the Almighty. Can you then share with us some examples from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community as we are talking about um, racial equality? Yeah, in this day and age, I mean, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the community that we belong and represent, uh, we believe that this community represent, uh, this community uh, presents and acts upon the true teachings of Islam as given in the Holy Quran and in the sayings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, Salah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So the, you know, the current head of Ahmadiyya Muslim community, I will present a quotation of his, a quote of his. He has said that all people are born equal, no matter where they hail from or the color of their skin. This is said by His Holiness Mirza Masur Ahmad, the worldwide head of Ahmadiyya Muslim community. So he said, every, you know, again, he's reiterating what the Holy Quran is saying, that everybody is equal. I really like what uh, His Holiness Mirza Tahir Ahmad, uh, the former head of Ahmadiyya Muslim community who passed away in 2003, uh, he said that racism is a poison that has always clashed with spirituality. The two can never coexist. Wherever racism appears, spirituality and God's love disappear forever. So he said that if you wish to be a good Muslim, if you wish to be a human being that is uh, spiritual, that has relationship with Allah the Almighty, then you must eradicate racism from your heart entirely. If you have racism or discrimination in your heart for your uh, brothers and sisters, for whatever reason, particularly race in this case, you cannot be a spiritual human being. You cannot be a godly person if racism has roots in your heart. So this is very important and we must work to eradicate this uh, hatred and this, uh, you know, based on race, uh, based on race or any other type. Uh, and that is the only way to establish uh, a relationship with Allah the Almighty. Here we always talk about how we can establish uh, a strong bond with God Almighty. For that to take place, we have to get rid of all forms of hatred uh, that may have taken root in our hearts. Uh, within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, I mean, sure. our community is established in more than 200 countries of the world. There's people of every different nation, every different color that are part of this community. And you know, wherever they belong, uh, belong to, whichever country they're from, whatever their skin color is, you, you can see a true bond of uh, brotherhood between them. Whenever they come together from whichever part of the world, there is love between them. Because they want, number one reason is that they share a common belief. But because of that common belief, they disregard all other differences and they try to live together amicably and friendly and at least they do not try to discriminate based on race whatsoever. I, I always find the example 
of uh, you know the annual conference that takes place in the UK each year. About forty thousand or so people participate in it yeah. uh, each year, and sometimes over a hundred countries are represented there. Uh, you know, members have traveled from different parts of the world to attend this conference. And even here, even here in Jamaica, there are a couple of people who have attended the conference. And for instance, uh, Mutabaruka, um, when he attended, I think the 2017 conference in UK with us, he came back to share some interesting, you know, um, incidents that I think people can refer to on his page. I mean, in my own experience, a uh, few times that I've had the opportunity to travel there, Sometimes I am uh, staying there where other missionaries uh, are staying. And sometimes in a small room, 100 of us or 80 of us would be, uh, you know, packed in a small room for the few days conference because uh, when you are traveling for a spiritual purpose, you don't, you don't uh, regard uh, these minor inconveniences. So even though we are living in a very close quarter, in much, in, you can say in much difficulty as well, but we're willing to make that sacrifice for the spiritual benefit. But in that place, when, you know, I remember there are missionaries from all over the world. I remember just last year when I went, there was right beside me, there was a missionary from Suriname. And just a couple beds down, there was a gentleman from Haiti. And then beside that, I mean, beside the, Car beside the Caribbean, there were people from Ghana, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Pakistan, Mauritius, Indonesia, all in that one room. And then similarly, I mean, there were tens of other places, accommodations where people were staying uh, uh, or people stayed during uh, the annual conference. And there, there is no uh, racial or any other type of uh, discrimination done between the people because this is the teaching of Islam. And today, Ahmadiyya Muslim community is a living example uh, of, you know, uh, racial equality uh, that is taught by the Holy Quran, that is taught by Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him. And if any uh, Jamaican brother or sister listening to us would like to witness what we are talking about, they're welcome to come to our mosque and we will show that how, inshallah, that God willing, our brothers and sisters live so amicably, regardless of whichever color or nation they belong to. And they try to, you know, uh, coexist, uh, disregarding all their differences. Thank you very much. And um, I believe at this point, considering the time, I would ask you to, you know, share some principles that you think uh, um, the United States of America can adopt to eradicate such racial inequalities. What do you think the U.S. can do? There is a lot of things um, that the government can do. I mean, unfortunately, for past, um, you know, several days, we've seen protests and one after the other riots in the country. And uh, some of those riots actually took a nasty uh, turn and uh, properties and different things were damaged, which we absolutely as Muslims condemn. That is not the right way to, uh, to protest. But at the same time, um, what I felt uh, was, you know, um, extremely unfortunate is that the, the leadership in the U.S., particularly the president, the president has, hardly, yeah. has hardly said anything uh, in favor of the, um, uh, the oppressed community, in this case, Afro-Americans. On the other hand, we saw uh, one or two, uh, two or three incidents in Canada in past few weeks, and the prime minister uh, openly condemned uh, this form of racism. And he actually, I was reading that he actually joined one of the rallies 
to condemn uh, to condemn this type of systemic racism. So I mean, this this is how uh, the I mean, in in the U.S. also, I feel that the leadership get, should get involved and should become part of condemning racism. Uh, if we don't even acknowledge it, I mean, millions of people are on the street and talk are talking about it. And if the leadership doesn't even acknowledge it, this is not a good start. So uh, the number one would be acknowledgement and pledge to remove that, uh, you know, even if it is small or large, it does exist. We know it exists. So we have to uh, get rid of it completely. And until we do that, uh, I mean, um, we cannot find uh, we, the people of color living in the USA cannot live in complete freedom like the rest who are living there. So that is number one thing that, that I have in, on my mind. Yeah. But beside that, I think it's also important. Uh, see, w w what happens is we've seen these uh, police, uh, we've seen uh, police killing uh, people of uh, Afro-American descent so often, not just in past two, three months, but over the years. It's, it's very, uh, unfortunately, a very uh, common theme in uh, recent U.S. history. And one of the reasons presented by the cops is, by the police is that when they're working in rough neighborhoods, um, you know, they're under some kind of stress and pressure. It, this absolutely was not the case. Uh, you know, this cannot be applied to the case of George Floyd. But generally, I mean, this is one of the excuses that these people present. But see, if those neighborhoods are rough and you are scared for your life as a cop, then I, I would say that uh, as a system, we need to improve two things. Number one, we need to improve the, uh, the stress uh, level or the one that uh, stress that the cops can handle, yeah. number one. And number two, those neighborhoods that are rough, they are part of the country. They're part of the U.S. So whose responsibility is it to fix those communities, to fix those neighborhoods? It is also the responsibility of the government. It cannot be such neighborhoods um, cannot be justified for the killing of innocent people whatsoever. Another thing is that um, there is too much gap between the Caucasian or white Americans versus the Afro-Americans. We look at the, you know, the employment opportunities. We look at the education. We look at the uh, income. We look at healthcare. These are essentials of even life. even even during this coronavirus. Um, you know, the, the the fatality rate among the African American, the blacks, are higher than as compared to the whites, almost like four times. Exactly. So I mean, this this speaks volumes. Once we establish or we establish balance in you know, all different classes and races within a country, only then we can hope that racism and classism can be eradicated. Otherwise, uh, these issues will go on forever. So this is important. And you know, uh, this is important that uh, we try and uh, basically bridge these gaps, remove these gaps, then I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful. It, it's, it's, not a, it's not something that can be done overnight. It will take a long time but at least the leadership should acknowledge it and start moving towards it. I just wish to give an example from, um, from an author. It's a Canadian Jamaican author, very popular, has written many, many great books. His yeah. name is Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, in his book, David versus Goliath, he gives a, an example from a neighborhood in the USA, from a, a neighborhood in New York City. Uh, the neighborhood is called Brownsville. And he says that he explains the situation first that how the police and the locals 
in that neighborhood did not get along. And then a new chief was appointed and the new chief tried connecting with the youth there. So what they started doing was that they went out and uh, on Thanksgiving, they went and uh, distributed turkeys to all the families so that they could all have a good Thanksgiving. And then later they distributed some toys on Christmas. And then they started to, you know, uh, mix with the children uh, and with the youth and started playing basketball with them. Yeah. A true love was established between the, the, you know, the law enforcement and that community that was facing different challenges. And then through that, a reformation was witnessed within that community as well, right? So this is what is needed, that if there are problems, they need to be eradicated by, they can only be removed uh, if we have uh, sincerity, if we have love for mankind in our heart, if we have sympathy for people in our heart. I know these are uh, examples that I've given. They, you know, they vary in uh, their uh, issues and uh, they're diff they, they, they cannot be applied. One cannot be applied to all the situations. Yeah. But I feel that efforts need to be made by the authorities and whatever needs to be done should be done by the government to, uh, to eradicate uh, racism and uh, other forms of hatred that exist in, in the USA. And again, the same applies to uh, us here in Jamaica as well. There is a lot of issues uh, of classism and even to an extent racism here in Jamaica, and we need to work on those as well. Thank you very much, um, gentlemen, for uh, being part of today's program. And wrapping up, I would share one more verse of the Holy Quran, chapter number 4, verse 136. Allah the Almighty says, O ye who believe, be strict in observing justice, and be witness for Allah, even though it be against yourself, or against a parent, or a kindred. Whether he may be rich or poor, Allah is more regardful of them both than you. Indeed, the word head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has repeatedly admonished the world, particularly the leaders, about the need for them to apply the golden rule of absolute justice and also um, said countlessly that um, unless there is absolute justice, there cannot be true peace. And by true peace, he means, therefore, that all people of goodwill must be prepared to call for justice whenever injustice is done. Political leaders across America are now claiming that in the wake of Mr. Floyd's killing, they recognize the systemic racism in America and that there is a need to immediately you know take action to address such you know an inequality it is uh, very sad that um you know in modern days things like this are happening and we also thank you know god for technology just imagine if the cameras had not been there they would have found several excuses that um, the guy had a gun as it happens almost in several places whenever police you know commit such crimes and other things against civilians they try to find excuses and there is no justice thank god this time there were cameras there at the right time and they were able to bring the perpetrators to um to book so uh thank you very much for being part of today's program imam Tariq azim and also imam um gulam ahmed for your you know thoughts on today's program and also to my cherished listeners 
for being part of today's program. If you had any concern or question or any follow-up to do, please do so by way of text message through WhatsApp number 876-283-9533. And as I said, here is all that time would allow us on today's program. Until we come your way next time with another interesting episode from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica. It's love for all and hatred for none. And assalamu alaikum. Bijamalihi